We've made mention of the card already, and I do wanna encourage you to be filling this out. There's a digital version as well if you wanna do it online. I typically don't like you to be doing other things while I'm preaching, but today you have full permission. If you wanna do this the whole time while I'm talking, go for it. Uh, sometimes at the end of the service, we have you bring these down front. Today we're not gonna do that. As you leave today, here in the AC, we'll have folks with our uh, buckets at the doors as you leave. If you're in the sanctuary, I think there should be folks at the back of the sanctuary as well collecting these but just wanna make sure that everyone has this completed and prayerfully you consider how it is that God's gonna use you uh, to be serving his purposes in the next year. So I wanna give you a quick quiz. I have four different objects and I I wanna see if you can guess what these are. Maybe you would know what they are or not, we'll see. So here's the first one. Anybody know what this is? Not the Sharpie, the other thing. Anybody? You may not know that. That is actually a pop and scoop cat food feeder. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Uh, Secondly, here's another object. I know what that is. That is a pill cup. You put the pill in the little little part, and when you go to drink, the water comes in the little part, which helps you to drink, you know, the pill more efficiently. All right, here's the third one. It's kind of old school. You can see it's overgrown with weeds and stuff. That is an elevated grain store, which means that you put it elevated so rodents and other things don't get up there and eat all the grains. Now, before I go to the fourth object, let me just make an observation. Already, you're going, okay, once I know the purpose, these things make sense. Let's talk about the fourth object. How about these things? We call these humans, human beings. <laughs> the reality is that you never know what these are until you discover their purpose. Today, we're gonna to talk about God's purpose. We're wrapping up this short three-week series we've called What's In It For Me, and at the heart behind the series is talking to people about the DNA of our church, and not just our church, but the DNA of following Jesus. And what does it look like to put Jesus at the center of our life? And today we're gonna talk about purpose. Now, purpose is a subject that a lot of people talk about. There are tons of podcasts and videos and books about people helping you to discover your purpose. One of the more popular in the last couple years was a book and really a TED Talk that was given by Simon Sinek. And he had this book that he called Start With Why. This was, I think, in the top five of all downloaded TED Talks in terms of popularity. And I think so many people want to listen to this because they want to figure out how is it that I can live with a bigger why. What they're essentially saying is how can I live with a greater sense of purpose? Now, he largely attaches that to the things that we do in our jobs, not exclusively, but largely. And he says, actually, the most successful businesses are the ones who tap into these existential needs of why. Like, for instance, he would say Apple computer. The reason they've been popular is not just because they make great computers. He said it's because they're trying to challenge the status quo, this existential need to do something different than what is normal. And he gives scores of, of examples of different ways in which we all need to tap into our why. Now, with no disrespect to Simon Sinek or anybody else, I would say that largely speaking in our world, when people talk about purpose, when they talk about your why, they're talking about something so much less significant than when God talks about purpose. Something so much short-sighted, so much more temporary than what God talks about with purpose. When God talks about purpose, it's not about what you do for a living. It's not about how you make money or even how you find personal fulfillment, though I think it comes with finding God's purpose. 
But what do we mean by purpose? Well, that's at the heart of what we do as a church, is it not? We've said our mission statement every single week. Let's do that again today. If you're new here today, maybe you're reading this or hearing this for the first time. But this is what our why is as the church, as Johnson Ferry. How, why do we get up in the morning? What gives us passion about life? What are the things that drive us to make the decisions we make, to do the things we do with church? It's not tradition. It's not anything else. It's our purpose. What is that? Why do we exist as a church? Well, this is our statement. I would ask if you would humbly, would you say this with me together this third and final week of this series together. Let's say it. Why do we exist? Let's say it all together. We exist to help people find truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. Now, we believe every single human being is looking for those things, truth, belonging, and purpose. They think they can find them in all kinds of things. But what we know, what we know, is that the only source of fulfillment for all three, for truth, for belonging, and purpose, is found in Jesus. And that's what drives us as a church, helping people who haven't yet found those things to find them in Jesus. So in this series, we talked about living in the truth of Jesus, discovering having that. We talked last week about belonging. What's it look like to really be part of God's family, to belong to him and to his family? And today we wanna think about the idea, what's it look like to find purpose in Jesus? There are many different ways to talk about God's purpose, but this is a statement that I would like to submit to you as summarizing what we mean by living out the purposes of God, God's purpose. What is it? God's purpose is using our lives to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to him. That's what we mean by purpose around here. That no matter what you do for a living, no matter your stage in life, no matter whether you're single, married, adult, child, anywhere in between, all of us can use our lives to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God. That is what we mean by purpose, and that can change your life. Now, John 17, which Nitin read for us in this service, is a beautiful prayer of Jesus. This is right before Jesus will be betrayed and arrested and will go to the cross to bear the sins of the world. And Jesus is going to leave his disciples. Yes, he will return again after the resurrection and make appearances, but he is preparing them for life without him in, his, in their physical presence, at least for a season. And he's praying for them. And John 17 is this beautiful look into the heart of Jesus as he prays to God the Father. He prays for his disciples. He even prays for us. We looked at that last week, that we are those who believe in him through the word of the apostles. And in John 17, 13 through 19, we get a glimpse of what Jesus is asking his followers to do and the prayers that he prays for them as they do it. In verse 13, I love the reminder of the joy of Jesus. He says, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I love that. Even though Jesus is going to go through something horrific like his death on the cross, the idea of him returning to the Father is something that gives him joy. And Jesus' prayer is that the joy that he has would spill over into his disciples, that they would have joy. Now, why do they need joy? 
Well, he goes on to say in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, hated them. Why? Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, it sounds odd because they're human beings, right? Aren't all human beings of the earth? Yeah, but these are human beings who have found truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. These are human beings that we will see after the resurrection are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are set apart. They are born again. If you are a, f- a follower of Jesus, your primary identity has nothing to do with your job or how much money you make or your marital status or your race or your ethnicity or anything else. Your primary status is that you are a child of God. And because of that, because of that, the world opposes you. So you're going to need some joy because you're going to do ministry in a joyless world. And he goes on to pray for them. In verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Now, I wonder if their prayer was, Jesus, if you're going, we're going too. Where are we going, Jesus? And he's thinking, no, 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 right now you you can't go with me where I'm going. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, as he said in John 14, but you're going to have to stay here. And I think that's a good word to all of us, that we have to stay here. And Jesus doesn't merely want us to be protected from just difficult things in life. He wants us to be protected from the evil one. Jesus knows at the heart of our mission is an enemy who wants to distract us, who wants to discourage us. He wants to keep us from doing the things that Jesus wants us to do. He says, Father, would you protect them from the evil one? And he goes on to say in verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We talked about that two weeks ago. And then here's a verse that I think is at the heart of a day like Move Sunday. Verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. Now, we're not Jesus, but in the same way that God says, Jesus, you will be incarnated into the earth. You will get in a human suit and you will be around people who are not like you, yet these are the people you are called to reach. Jesus says, in in the same way as I am sent, I am sending you. Therefore, if we are a follower of Jesus, we are by nature a sent one. Now, we use that terminology at John's Ferry to talk about people that we send around to unreached peoples, sent ones. But at the end of the day, all of us, all of us are sent, either across the street or across the world. All of us are sent in Jesus' name, set apart by him. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart, which is, of course, what he'll do in the cross and the resurrection. Why? So that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. There's no turning back or following Jesus. I think about this text and I think about our church and I think about what's it look like to live in the purpose of God. And and I want us as a church family to really take purpose seriously. To take this heart, to use our lives, to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God every single day. In fact, I'm going to ask as a church family that we would take this season from Move Sunday to Easter Sunday, which is about 35 days or so, to consider this a season of living out God's purpose. To be more specific, I am praying and hoping and challenging all of you, every single one of you to have a gospel conversation with an unbeliever 
over the next 35 days? What would it be like if Easter Sunday, someone came to Johnson Ferry and it was their first time to experience Easter as a Christian? Their first time to see what it looks like for Jesus to be the Lord of their life. That's what God wants us to do. He wants all of us to be sent. The reason we have days like Move Sunday and we ask you to check boxes considering going on short-term trips or being sent around the nation is that we are all called to go. And a lot of you are called to go across the world. All of us are called to go across the street, to go across the office, to go across the field, to go across the gym, to go and to be sent ones for Jesus. And that's what the world needs, amen? I mean, the world needs the gospel. The world needs to know that God loves them so much that even though they deserve, because of their sin, death, even though they deserve hell, even though they deserve wrath, even though they deserve condemnation, and I'm speaking me too, I deserve those things, you deserve those things, but because God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you on the cross, that if you will repent and put your faith and trust in him, because of his sufficient and final death on the cross, your sins could be forgiven. And because of the power of God to raise him from the dead, you might have the power to be raised to live in eternity with God forever. That's the hope of the gospel, and that's what people need. And that's what we're called to share. I love this tweet by Greg Laurie. I'll put it up here on the screen for you. He said this, people need to hear the gospel. And our job is to call them to Christ. We don't say clean up your life and come to Christ. Rather, we say come to Christ and he will clean up your life. That's the power of the gospel. We come to Christ and he will clean up our life. So you're sitting there and you're going, okay, let's say that I embrace this purpose of God to share the gospel. What's in it for me? That's our question, right? What's in it for me? If I find purpose in Jesus, we try to answer that for you finding truth. We try to answer that for you finding belonging. Today, I want to answer that for you in finding purpose. What's it look like to find purpose in Jesus? Well, I would say to you is that if you find this purpose in Jesus, God begins to change everything about you. He changes your life. He literally changes your body. You go, how's he changed my body? Well, let me, let me just show you. A couple ways he changes you. Like for instance, number one, If you find purpose in Jesus, he gives you eyes that see. Eyes that see. You ask, what are you talking about? One time in John 4, Jesus is having this conversation with a a woman from Samaria. Now, Jewish men didn't talk to women like that generally, but especially not this woman who we can tell from the story has made a lot of destructive relational decisions in her life. Long story short, Jesus begins to share with her about the hope of this living water, which is a way of him talking about salvation. And her life has changed. She believes that he is Messiah. And and there's so much to be said there about how Jesus hangs out with people that a lot of us would just simply try to stay away from. And these are the very people that Jesus wants to save. And his disciples aren't there. Remember, they're all getting lunch. They're at Subway. They're doing whatever they're doing. And they come back and, and they ask Jesus, have you eaten anything? And he says, I have food that you don't even know about. And they're thinking, what, somebody bring him food? He says, no, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to do his work. And Jesus begins to say to these guys, these disciples, when you live with my purpose, you start to see that there are opportunities everywhere. To farmers, he, he gives this quote, John 4. Don't you have a saying 
it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. In other words, there are opportunities everywhere, at work, in your neighborhood, across the world, on your kid's baseball team, at the gym, everywhere you go, everywhere. There are people everywhere. Open your eyes and see that God is at work. In fact, that's why Christ hasn't yet returned. We talk about the second coming of Christ and we await that day. And I don't know if that day is going to be tomorrow. I don't know if that day is going to be 4,000 years from now. But one of the primary reasons that Jesus hasn't come back yet, well, let me just tell you from Peter himself. This is what Peter says, 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. He says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's God's heart for all people, every single person on the planet to come to repentance and discover the love and the truth and belonging and the purpose that's only found in Jesus. That's his heart. That's why he hadn't yet come back. In fact, let me just do a quick little audience participation here. If you're a believer, I know most of you are believers, not all, most of you are believers. If you are a believer in Jesus, would you raise your hand if you have come to Christ in the last 2,000 years? Has anyone here come to Christ? Yeah, everyone, everyone here, everyone in the sanctuary, everyone here. And that's why, yes, we want Christ to come back, but why hasn't he come back? Because he wants more people to come to discover what you have found. And he gives you eyes to see. You know what else he gives you? He gives you hearts that break. A heart that breaks. One of the most dramatic conversion stories in the New Testament is that of the Apostle Paul. And we know from the scriptures that Paul is the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's as, he's as Jewish as you can get. He, he, is, he is on the rise in Judaism. And we see that the first part of his life was, was dedicated to destroying the church of Jesus Christ. The second half of his life is dedicated to building up the church of Jesus Christ. And it broke his heart that so many of his fellow Jews who had all the same scriptures could not see that Jesus was in fact the Messiah they were waiting for. Notice what he says about this, this burden in Romans chapter nine. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Listen to this statement. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. He said, I, I would literally... Be okay with being damned. That's what he says. If it meant that they would come to Christ. Talk about a burden. Talk about a heart that breaks. 
There's a movie that's out right now. We took our staff team to see it two weeks ago called Jesus Revolution. And this is a movie that's all about the Jesus movement, the 60s and 70s. I would encourage you to see it. A lot of times Christian movies are like super cheesy. This one's actually legitimately a good movie. And like any great movement of God, it's got messy parts that you struggle with and maybe not even agree with. But from what we can tell this many years later, the Jesus movement was a wonderful revival, awakening, where people came back to the Lord. And we need that in our day, a revival. It's been so encouraging to hear reports on a lot of our college campuses about revivals that are happening. What's a revival anyways? I love this quote by Raven Hill. Notice what he says. Revival is what happens when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up himself. When people have a renewed heart for God, it's a revival. When they have a renewed heart for the lost, it turns into an awakening. And from what we can tell, a lot of the Jesus movement was a true awakening where masses of people came to Christ. And one of the men that was at the head of that as a pastor was Chuck Smith. Now, if you go and look at Chuck Smith, who was a pastor of Calvary Chapel, I mean, he is the epitome of uncool. Like, there's nothing cool about Chuck Smith. And yet God used him to reach this generation for Christ. His wife had a heart for these hippies that were hooked on drugs and looking for truth, belonging, purpose, and drugs and sex and other things. And I remember there's this great scene in the movie, I think it's a real-life conversation they had, where his wife was saying, you know, honey, somebody needs to reach them. These people need help. And his response was, these people need help. These people need a bath. That was his response. And yet he got a great burden for them. And many of them, many of them came to Christ. And it changed him. It changed his church. He started to see the church as God's plan A to reach the lost for Christ. You know, that's why our church exists as well. Like if, you, if you've already found truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus, that's awesome. But guess what? You're not the mission of this church. What we want you to do is join the mission of this church. And that's to help people who haven't yet found truth, belonging, and purpose to find them in Jesus. When you get God's purpose, you get a heart that breaks for the lost. When's the last time your heart was broken for people to know Jesus. You know, I see a lot of Christians, they get mad at lost people. They get mad at them. Let me ask you something. Have you ever gotten mad at your dog for barking? No. You know why? Because that's what by nature your dog does. You know what lost people do by nature? They act like lost people. And they need the hope of the gospel. Amen? And our hearts need to break, break for people that don't know him. When God gives you his purpose, he gives you eyes to see, he gives you a heart that breaks. You know what else he gives you? He gives you feet that go. Feet that go. The Great Commission could be summarized with several different scriptures, but we tend to think about Matthew 28 as being probably the best summary of the Great Commission. And this is what Jesus says, Matthew 28. And Jesus came up, and spoke to them saying, this is after his resurrection, by the way, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. 
and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know what the main emphasis of that whole text is? It's this, go and disciple the nations. That's what that text is all about. Go and disciple the nations. You know what go stands for, G-O? It stands for this, get out. Get out, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your rituals, get out of your routine, get out of your calendar, get out of your time zone, get out and disciple the nations. And God wants us to go. I wanna encourage you to think about where is God calling me to go? Maybe it is across the world, maybe it's across the street, but there's no way that you can stay comfortable where you are and be sent by God. When God gives you his purpose, he gives you feet that go. We recorded a whole conversation about this uh, recently. I just want to make sure you guys are aware of this. We have a, a podcast here out of Johnson Ferry where we talk about disciple making called the Discipleship Download. And David Anderson and I recorded a, vi- a conversation that went live, I think Friday or something, but it's all about this idea. What's it look like to go, to get out? I want to encourage you to subscribe, to listen to this and be praying about where it is that God's calling you to go. If we have God's purpose We have feet that go to unreached peoples and to unreached neighbors across the street. All right, number four, what changes about us? What do we get if we have God's purpose? Fourth, we get mouths that speak. Mouths that speak. There's an old quote that's sometimes attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, though I don't think he actually said it. It says something like this, always be preaching the gospel and whenever, whenever necessary, use words. Now that sounds good because we need to have a life that backs it up. We gotta, we gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. You cannot preach the gospel without words. Did you know that? Demonstrating through a lifestyle is wonderful. It is not preaching the gospel. So you have to speak the things of God. And, and that goes against our culture. In fact, there was a study done. 47% of Christians think that to try to convert someone else from another faith to Jesus is wrong. Now, if that's 47% of us, something's wrong with us. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is God's answer to sin. Jesus is God's source of truth, belonging, and purpose. Jesus is everything that we're looking for. You can't find that in any other religion. It's through a relationship through Jesus Christ, and God wants us to speak that. That's why Jesus wanted to make sure his followers knew that. Mark 16, this is what he told them. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And I know that when we talk about evangelism and stuff, everyone gets all nervous. They think, oh, I'm not good at that. I just, I'm not comfortable doing that. I, I, I've met very few people that are comfortable sharing the gospel, including me. I've shared this before, but I remember one of the first times I had to share the gospel. That's a great way to phrase it, had to share the gospel. I, I was on this uh, ministry trip, and we were knocking on doors, you know, old school, like, you know, knocking on people's doors, talking about Jesus. And I was out with this guy who did this all the time. He loved to do this. He's praying as we're walking up the door, God, use me, use me, use me, you know. I'm praying, God, let them not be home, let them not be home, let them not be home, you know, because it is, it is out of my comfort zone. I promise you that your comfort has nothing to do with the Great Commission. 
but we have to speak the words of Christ to people who don't know Jesus. Can I, can I ask you just two questions? And this is not meant to drop a bunch of guilt on y'all. Well, maybe a little bit. But for the most part, it, it's, just, it's just an evaluative question. Two questions. Think about this. Here's the first one. When was the last time you had a gospel conversation with an unbeliever? Really, like you, you, you try to spell out the gospel, the cross, the death, the resurrection, what it means for life, the change that Jesus, I mean, like a gospel conversation. When's the last time you had that with an unbeliever? And here's another question. How many unbelieving friends do you have in your life right now? I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know this. You can't reach people far from God if you don't know people far from God. So we've got to make sure that we're sharing the gospel, having mouths that speak. We, we wanna give you ways to do that all throughout the series. We try to kind of give you some practical next steps. Here's one. This coming Wednesday night, I'm gonna put it up on the screen. If you wanna take a screenshot of this or something, just so you know. We're doing a, just a simple kind of, hey, here's how to share the gospel. We've called it Sharing Jesus, Helpful Ways to Share Our Faith Today. I'm gonna be there. Lee Taylor, Adrian Kutzer's gonna be there. We just wanna help you guys learn to do gospel conversations. So for three weeks in a row, there's also a Zoom option if that fits your schedule better. But come and just say, hey, I'm not good at this. Help me get better at this. And let's trust the Lord to do something together. Do you know God's purpose? And are you living in his purpose? All that starts with prayer. If you said, what's my next step to really living out God's purpose to share the gospel? I would say you gotta pray. Well, what kind of prayer? We'll start with the Bob prayer. We share this all the time, Bob. Burden, opportunity, boldness. Burden, opportunity, boldness. Bob, burden, opportunity, boldness. It's not about a guy named Bob, by the way. Burden, opportunity, boldness. So what kind of prayer? It's like this, God, give me a burden for those who don't know you. Give me an opportunity this week to be with those who don't know you. And give me the boldness to make the gospel clear to them. That's what it looks like to live out God's purpose, to use our lives to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting God with the results. Are you living on purpose? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the purpose that we are given in Jesus. Thank you for life change. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start. Lord, and we love you. I pray, Lord, that everyone here today would walk out of here and be prayerful about helping them to live on purpose. I, I pray that in these 35 days, you're now in Easter, we would really adopt this challenge to have a gospel conversation with an unbeliever in the next 35 days and to trust you with the results. Father, if there's anyone here today who's never given their life to Jesus, would today be the day of salvation? Right now even, would they just ask you to come in their life would you change them by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would they believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for their sins and that, God, you wanna come in their life and change them and save them and renew them? Fill them with your Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We thank you for purpose. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.